Hey everybody, welcome to Coffee with the Therapist this wonderful Tuesday morning. I wanted to mention that I specifically called it Traits of Toxic Parenting um, for this YouTube video for a very specific reason. Um, We're going to be delving into toxic parenting, what that means, some of the traits, how you might have missed it because no one really talks about this topic unless you're a therapy nerd like me. Um, But also, I just want to, before I delve into that, I just want to first say that I'm, you know, I have a fur baby, but I don't have an actual baby. That being said, I know that parenting is hard and that none of us, myself included, if I ever become a parent, none of us will ever be perfect parents. And oftentimes, our parents, even if they were very toxic or harmful to us, They came from backgrounds of toxic family systems and different um, toxic ways of being that were reactive to what we call intergenerational trauma. So there's, there's a long history and context for why they are how they are. And oftentimes I do believe that parents are really genuinely doing their best and they are trying their best to be loving and supportive and give us the tools and the gifts that we need to be resilient human beings. That being said, I still think it's important to talk about these things because we can give credit to our parents for all that they did right and give credit for what they did heal and not pass down to us from their family systems. And it's still important that we understand the ways that maybe they struggled or maybe they didn't even realize because sometimes culture will tell parents to be a certain way. And now that we've gone through cycles of of growing and evolving as a culture, we're looking back and saying, wow, culture taught us the wrong thing about parenting. And so that became what would be called toxic parenting because, again, culture used to say things like, let's not show our negative emotions. And in that, invalidated people's negative emotions and caused all sorts of different problems. Um, So oftentimes it's parents that, you know, coming from their own background, they thought they were doing the best for their kids. You know, it was the latest and greatest as far as what they knew about parenting And again, inadvertently ended up hurting their kids. And so, you know, I think we're probably still evolving as a society. There may be things we're doing now or that we're we're teaching parents to do that we look back on and we're like, yeah, that was also maybe not the best move. But here's what we do know as far as toxic parenting traits. And I would encourage you to take a look at this, not just for, you know, your own parenting style if you have kiddos, but also to recognize maybe the ways that your parents struggled with this too, because often when we don't resolve what may have happened as far as childhood attachment wounds, that can show up in our relationships and our career and just the different ways that we live our lives now. So I want you to analyze it from both perspectives, not only what you received or not only how you are parenting, but also maybe the ways that your parents probably struggled And again, asterisk, I do think a lot of parents are doing their best. And even with that, it's still important that we acknowledge the ways that maybe they struggled and engaged in, again, what I call toxic parenting. Because I don't like the full label of like, they're a toxic parent. Um, Because again, I do think our parents are built of both good and bad parts, and they do their best um, to help us. And usually when they are doing toxic parenting, that's coming from their own wounded parts. Um, so yeah, I don't like labels. It's not my jam. Anywho, let's dig into the traits of a toxic parent. And again, you might be surprised at some of these because culturally, 
it might have been acceptable to different generations. So the first one I want to talk about is that they they fail to provide you with affirmation or security. This may seem a little vague, but generally speaking, it's the idea that they struggled to give you security in different ways. Now, it doesn't just mean emotional security, although that is very important, but this also means security in the sense of, of you understanding like what your schedule was day to day, that maybe they didn't move around a bunch. Again, if you're in a military family, you know, your parents couldn't help that, but that could have, you know, really impacted you as a kiddo. Um, but just giving you security in, in your day to day, making sure you knew where your food was coming from, um, feeling like you knew what to expect from them emotionally, right? Because if they were kind of emotionally all over the place, or if you had a parent that struggled with substance abuse, it could have just been that they couldn't give you consistent emotional responses and that you might have learned how to always kind of be on your toes and scope out the environment because they, you know, weren't able to be emotionally consistent based on their substance abuse. Um, And yeah, emotionally being able to provide a safety net for you to have and experience all of your emotions and to let you make mistakes, knowing that that's going to be part of your journey as a child growing up. Um, You know, if they don't let you make mistakes, it's going to go into our second trait, which is them being overly critical, right? If we have a parent that points out all of our mistakes and doesn't provide more of a secure background for us to make mistakes and, you know, if the crime is overly, is overkill, so to speak, and so the crime never fits the punishment and they criticize what we do, we might develop perfectionism or we might try to control our environment in different ways and have severe anxiety if we can't control things because the consequences were emotionally so severe or just like grounding-wise so severe. The third trait is that they might put their feelings first. Um, And this kind of goes in with another one that I talk about, which is parentification, where, you know, instead of being emotionally available to you, they're going to be more so hoping that you are emotionally available for them and might even dump their feelings on you or what they're going on on you. Um, and again, I don't think parents do this from like trying to harm their child. They just, they're going through different things in their life and maybe they don't have other supports in their life to help them. And so what ends up happening is that ends up falling on the kiddos. And as a kid, you learn to take care of them and you don't learn to speak up about your emotions. You may not learn how to take care of your own needs or you may act them out in different ways because you don't have really a safe place to emotionally process and talk about your feelings. The fourth thing is that they might make demeaning or toxic jokes about you. Now, I know in some family systems, you know, sarcasm and some other jokes kind of become, they're like a love language in a way. Um, And so we're not talking about like the love language of some of those like silly jokes, but when when it really starts becoming a pattern And it's usually like a passive aggressive joke where they kind of mean what they're saying and it's a way to like dig into people. That's where it becomes this weird, like unsafe landscape of are you really joking or are you really saying this about me? And regardless, if something is demeaning or hurtful and the, the butt of the joke is always about you, I think that's still worth exploring because that can definitely change how we see the world and how we might live on edge like 
even with jokes and become what others might call, you know, hypersensitive. Um, the fifth thing is that they demand your attention. Um, you know, this kind of goes with them putting their feelings first, like their needs, their like having your attention is more important than you doing other things in your life. And sometimes demanding your attention kind of looks like, you know, you do a bunch of things together and they kind of feel weirdly, you know, possessive or jealous if you go spend time with friends or if you get really involved in a sport or activity, you know, they're very um, centered around making sure you are meeting their needs for attention, love, and security. And that, again, that's a that's a not okay thing that usually this means they're not getting it in other areas of their life and the kiddo becomes parentified. Number six, they fail to take accountability for their actions. Um, they may blame the world. They may blame others. They may consistently blame you for things that are going wrong in their lives or the different actions that they make or when they blow up on you. Um, but regardless, you know, it is not safe to be with a parent that struggles to own when they do mess up and when things are not going well in their life that they can actually own up to the parts that they have control over. Um, cause again, it may not be like they're necessarily just like blaming you, but it's this pattern of, blaming the world or maybe just not taking accountability in general for the parts that they can control. Number seven, um, again, this is going to go back to number five with demanding your attention, but they're highly controlling or possessive. Not only may this look like them being upset when you're out doing other things or involved in other activities, but it may also look like them trying to really hyper control your schedule or overly control just what you do, what you have exposure to. Sometimes this can take on its own form of like not really letting kids make mistakes because you just want to control every facet of their life and ensure that things don't, you know, things aren't messy. But again, that's more about the parent and their anxiety than about developing a healthy space for kids to grow and learn. Number eight, they don't allow themselves typically or they may allow themselves, but definitely not allowing others the expression of what they might consider negative emotions. Now, in every family system, this might look different. It might be anger. It might be sadness. It might be whining. It might be neediness. But essentially, they have a very low threshold for those emotions. And so they may ignore them. They may, like, try to, like, fix them or cut them out is why, like, immediately you know, just going into fix-it mode, they may um, shame it, right? They may demean it. They may get angry in response to it. So essentially, it's them not being able to hold space for what they might consider, like, not okay emotions. And again, that could be sadness. It could be anger, needing stuff, you know, whininess, whatever they call, having emotions at all, right? Some cultures or some cultural backgrounds are this idea that, like, you know, get yourself up by the bootstraps and, you know, showing emotions is weakness and all of that super toxic stuff. Number nine, they give you the silent treatment. I would add to this that they also just engage in any sort of like passive aggressiveness where instead of directly telling you when they're upset about things and trying to work through it, that they kind of just like beat around the bush or treat you poorly or, you know, do that whole passive aggressive like, hmm. I'm fine when they're really clearly not fine, right? Just any sort of passive aggressiveness as a means of dealing with their anger 
or their frustration with you or their frustration with life. Number 10, they use guilt or money to manipulate you. So if you grew up with a parent who, you know, instead of an apology, would just like throw money at stuff, um, you know, that might be a form of manipulation or just saying, hey, if you do this, I'll buy you this. Now, sometimes some of that is just structured and like genuine parents trying to motivate their kids. But if that's like how they're getting you to do stuff or if they're asking you to do stuff that is inappropriate as far as like, you know, if you come live with me and don't live with your mom, I'll buy you a car, something like that. Like that, that's emotionally manipulative. And that's no longer about like trying to motivate you from a healthy place. Um, That's something different. Or like saying, you know, oh my gosh, my mental health would be so much better if you lived with me. Or oh my gosh, my life, you know, we would, that's like the guilt part, right? Like making you feel guilty about some problem they have in order to get something out of you. Like that's totally not okay. Number 11, they ignore healthy boundaries. So typically with toxic parenting, if you do try to set a boundary as a kid, which is already hard because there's a power differential, but with toxic parenting, like they will not acknowledge it. They'll ignore it. They won't take it into consideration. Or they may even do this pattern of being like, oh yeah, that's like, I'm, I'm really trying to take that into consideration. But, you know, at the end of the day, they don't actually act on it and show you that they respect your boundaries. And so you may learn that boundaries don't matter or that it doesn't matter if you set them or that you don't, you're like that eats at your self-worth and your self-respect. And again, that's yeah, not good for a kiddo. And lastly, I think one of the biggest factors is ultimately that they make you responsible for their happiness. So if you ever grew up in a parenting system where you felt like you were responsible for their happiness, like they made their world about you. Um, Again, I think even well-intentioned parents can say things like, my kids are my world. And that's maybe not so healthy at the end of the day, right? And even for those kids to feel that pressure that I am the thing that brings light to my parents, so I have to like get good grades and I have to excel in this sport or I have to stay in the sport because my parent cares so much about it. Like it's any way that a kiddo is starting to feel Like, they have to do something specifically to ensure that their parent is happy, right? Or happy with them. And so, yeah. So, I think that's a good general overview of all of the different toxic parenting traits. I'm sure that I'm missing some, but I I just wanted to give you a general idea of what that looked like and how it manifests. And even, like, the different ways where it can generally come from a good place or even from culture and not be malintentioned. Regardless, we have to heal this because all of these behaviors and these traits end up creating adults that don't how to don't know how to emotionally navigate the world because they were taught that their emotions don't matter or they wouldn't be respected or they'd be ignored or belittled. And so essentially, working on these different factors means building resilience in kids and in ourselves that we can go out there and be emotionally healthy. Resolving this for ourselves means doing the work we need to do to heal maybe some of the trauma our parents caused, whether intentional or not, and ensuring that we are able to engage in the world in a place where we don't replicate these behaviors or 
act in response to these behaviors. So when I say act in response, like if a parent overly made you feel guilty about something, then you overly feel guilty about things in the world. Like even in your current relationship, you might overly take on responsibility for things. And that's where I'm like, well, you got to heal that reaction too. Because if we don't do that, we will pass down other things to our kiddos and, you know, create different dynamics in our romantic relationships that are not healthy. All right, y'all. I hope that was helpful. Um, I know I just talked at you guys a lot, but I think it was worth talking about because we often don't have these conversations. I'm excited to visit with y'all tomorrow, and I hope you guys have a wonderful Tuesday.